Welcome back to The Good Play, a podcast about NBC's The Good Place. My name is Brianna, and with me on the line, she's the best pop and locker in our dance crew. It's my sister, Marissa. Are you going to frame my girlfriend for alligator theft? Is she, what it was? No, boogie board boogie theft. Boards, she was actually an alligator thief. Oh, <laughs> But he framed her for boogie board theft. <laughs> that was the distinction. Oh, Jason. Yes. I mean... <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot to to get into. Uh, we're back on our schedule of our guilty knowledge rewatch for season one. Now that season two has concluded, so before we get in, why don't we get into some housekeeping? You can find us on Facebook. We have a, a Facebook group called The Good Play. You can find us at Twitter at at The Good Play Pod. You can find us on iTunes and Google Podcast slash google play um you can find us at goodplay.cast.rocks what else did i miss the email address right the goodplaypod at gmail.com and nobody emailed us last week which means that everybody loved our eddie vetter impressions (laughs) everyone was like spot on guys (laughs) don't need to get in touch don't change a thing (laughs) so uh you want to jump into the recap yeah, why don't you explain why sometimes people might hear a cat noise in the oh, background? Oh, yeah, I'm at our parents' house, and uh, we have a cat. She who, is 18 years old. She is old. She shall not be moved. And <laughs> she has decided to park herself next to me, and every once in a while, she just looks at me and goes, Rawr! So <laughs> she's she's a sweet, a, a, a sweet old cat. But she likes to be Mom vo- wants her dead, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but she she likes to be vocal and so you might hear her. I'm I'm not in our I'm not in my normal digs. My normal digs just have sirens. Yeah, they're used to that by now. You now you, you got used to the sirens and now it's like completely silent outside because I'm in the suburbs, but I've got a cat to for color commentary. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to hear what she has to say about uh Chelinor in this episode. Yes, it's a yeah. That's a big uh, point on my discussion questions. You know, is uh, uh, I think I called it retroactive shipping. <laughs> but uh, let's get into oh, the recap. So much to talk about, but let's do the yeah, let's do the recap yeah. first. So we open the episode with Eleanor o- ordering from one of the frozen yogurt places, and Michael made sure that there were all these new flavors because he feels bad about the sinkhole that opened up by the end of the last episode. She's deciding what she wants, and she lets Gunner go ahead of her, and then she's so excited that she let Gunner go ahead of her because it means that the good person lessons are starting to rub off on mm. her. So she runs back to the house to tell Chidi that this happened, and then doesn't want to go back and get frozen yogurt for the two of them. But then she does, because she's really trying to prove that she's a good person. And we see that Chidi is doing a lesson on utilitarianism for Eleanor and Jason, Eleanor says, you know, this is so simple and, and this is the this is the the philosophy I want to subscribe to. But Chidi mentions that it has some problems and Jason brings up an honest dilemma that can happen within utilitarianism, which involves when he framed a girl for boogie board theft in order to keep a 60 person dance crew together. Side note, I knew already that his dance crew was 60 people, but dang, that is a large dance crew. That's a very large dance crew. Also, side note. We learn more about this incident in the beginning of season two. 
in Dance Dance Resolution. We resolve to dance. Yes. Yes. So Chidi wants to take a break. Eleanor wants to keep going. Chidi says, okay. And then Eleanor says, okay, grade my paper. And Chidi's like, okay. Tani is holding a brunch as like a cheer up activity. Like, don't be mad about the sinkhole. Don't be sad about the sinkhole. And Jason goes and, and is with her for this brunch. And Tani and Michael are chatting when Janet appears and says, we have a Category 55 emergency doomsday crisis. And Michael is obviously super freaked out about this or is pretending to be super freaked out about this. Yeah. Guil- guilty knowledge rewatch. Michael and Janet go into a private room. Janet tells Michael the sinkhole's not repairing itself. Tahani hears them talking and says, actually, I saw it get bigger. And Michael's like, ah, bigger. This is the normal voice I use when everything is normal. <laughs> Back at Eleanor's house, Chidi's kind of trying to hint that he needs some me time. And Eleanor is not having it. And she's like, you're hiding something. He's like, no, I'm not. Just leave me alone. Everything's fine. Back in Tahani's mansion, we see that she has accessed the secret architect manual and uh, found the neighborhood point rankings and is dismayed to find that she is second to last. And um, Jianyu is supposed to be number two and Eleanor is like six or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And we flash back to young Tahani showing her parents a picture of a bird she drew, like a really like normal child drawing of a bird. And then we see Camilla has sculpted a bird and her mother is talking about like oh it seems you are moving out of your structural period and it's like yes i trust my viewers it's like very snooty art world it's, nonsense it, it, that it, you like, understand okay <laughs> i think you would understand what they were talking about all i heard was blah blah art talk blah <laughs> yes that that uh <laughs> that tracks <laughs> Yeah, I didn't take an art class in college. So that's all I took in college. <laughs> I did. I took an appreciation of music class. It was good. Eleanor keeps bothering Chidi, and he admits that she's bothering him. You know, he's supposed to be in paradise, but he's having to teach her instead. It's a full time job. Eleanor is a full time job. He wakes up and she's there. He goes to sleep and she's there. Sadly, not in the same bed, but in the same house. Yeah. Eleanor gets super offended and, you know, she basically wants to call the whole thing off. Like, they're just not going to be student teacher anymore at all. And probably he would have moved back to his own place. But then Michael says, it's not really, is it really Michael or is it like an image image of Michael, right? Like an automated warning, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it says, you know, Michael on the little screen says that... It, nobody can go outside. Everyone is everyone is confined to their homes. So Eleanor and Chidi are stuck together. So they've been stuck there for a few days and they are fighting about everything. And then Michael comes in with Bart and Nina, who need a place to stay because they live super close to the sinkhole. He is a private eye and she is a marriage counselor, which is... So we know now, right? Guilty knowledge rewatch. Like, they're, they're just demons and, and they are taking on those roles to, like to maximize uh chidi and eleanor's anxiety yeah and tahani's back at tahani's tahani's mansion you know she's had to play hostess to these people like a ton of people for like four days and she is you know she's cruise directoring basically the the whole house and someone's like oh tahani you know you are the best and tahani's like yes you would think so wouldn't you and she goes back and she like checks her ranking again and she's still towards the bottom 
and we have a flashback to when Tahani is emceeing a charity auction and her parents are telling her how embarrassing it is. She's only raised 5.2 million pounds. So then her parents say, you know, you have to introduce Camilla and then Camilla auctions off like a lunch with herself. So back at Eleanor's house, Bart and Nina are there and Eleanor and Chidi have to go into another room to argue how they're going to get found out. And Eleanor's like, I think that they just want to swing with us. And Chidi's like, I'm not having sex with people just to make them be quiet. And Eleanor's like, you and I are very different. (laughs) (laughs) But Bart and Nina catch them arguing. They don't hear them, but they see them through one of the, like the weird portholes in Eleanor's bedroom. And so Bart and Nina sort of are now clued into the fact that there is trouble in the Chelinor paradise, so to speak. Tahani actually goes outside against orders to try to help Michael and Janet with the sinkhole. And then she, like, her face starts turning into a Picasso painting. Yes. See, I, I know something about art. Yes. <laughs> that one thing. No. That one thing. Yes. Michael tells Janet to just knock her out so they don't have to worry about her. Then we flash to Bart and Nina sort of interrogating Chidi, who they say is the one who has the secret, which obviously it's not. It's Eleanor, but whatever. Chidi says he's never had a serious relationship before, and it's not what he expected, (laughs) which is the understatement of the year. Mm. Um, Bart offers him a massage, which doesn't have to be erotic, but it could be. And Eleanor's like, I told you. (laughs) But they manage to, like, extricate themselves from the situation and go to bed. Back at Tahani's mansion, she's recovered from the sinkhole, and she explains to Michael that she just wanted to be helpful because... You know, she wanted, she saw where she was on the, on the rankings and Michael's like, look, you're not supposed to see those, first of all. Second of all, the point totals stop after you're dead. So, you know, nothing you do here is gonna, is gonna raise the point totals, which is uh, relevant information (laughs) for Mm -hmm. later. later. Yeah, later in the show. Uh, And we do see a flashback where um, they are reading Tahani's uh, parents' last will and they have misspelled her name as Tahini. Like the sauce. Like the, yeah, like the sesame seed paste. And um, Tahani says Camilla can have everything, which does raise some questions about, you know, what she actually owned in the last years of her life. But yeah, I don't know if we're ever going to get answers on that. Janet tells everybody the sinkhole is fixed. The lock-in is over. Chidi finds a note from Eleanor to go to the lake because earlier Chidi had said he should be doing paradise things like rowing on a lake with a book of French poetry, which Eleanor does not appreciate at all. Eleanor tells Chidi she understands that helping her is not easy, gives him a card that says fork off Eleanor for him to use whenever she gets annoyed. And she says, you know, the other problem is that I'm a utilitarian nightmare for you because the better you make me, the more likely it is I get to stay and like you never get your real soulmate. Yeah. Yeah, and so she kind of puts him in a rowboat with a picnic basket and a book of French poetry and kind of pushes him off into the lake, and Chidi's like, wait, this was a theoretical fantasy. How do you row a boat? That was hilarious. (laughs) He also has directional insanity. I feel like he would have been out on that lake forever. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how he got back in. Eleanor goes to Michael, who is showing residents that the sinkhole is fully repaired and saying he figured it all out. And then he kind of does a Soto Voce to Eleanor, like, I did not figure it out. It just happened. It just started closing up this morning. 
And um, it's kind of a theme for him to be like, I've got it all figured out. And they'd be like, JK. Yeah. Definitely didn't. He says, it just started closing itself this morning. So Eleanor's thinking to herself, oh, it's because cheating I made up. And then he says, you know, I, I need you to help me figure out what actually happened. And of course, in retrospect, we know this is sort of just more of his torture of her. And that is the end of the episode. Yeah. So I guess I would ask you where you want to begin, but I would say the biggest thing for me probably watching this again is the like retroactive shipping element of it or like the looking back on looking back on where they were now that we know where they are as a couple that they started out kind of at each other's throats in this episode. Which they then subsequently forgot all about. <laughs> yeah, they were like really at each other. And then well, I actually, this was one of my favorite episodes. I think I mentioned that last time. This is one of my favorite episodes. It's so from, funny. It's really funny. But it's also, it was one of my favorite Eleanor and Sheedy episodes, even when I just wanted them to be bros. Because it's such a nice, I thought it was a really nice way to show that Eleanor is growing and evolving for her to say look I know I can be a lot and I know that this whole situation is a lot so I'm gonna do this selfless thing and try to be like you know try to give you what you said that you wanted even if (laughs) at the end he was like oh no I miscalculated (laughs) this entirely but my big question is like whether the writers went into this show with a Chelinor viewpoint or whether they kind of developed it later for season two because you can read well so emily nussbaum in the new yorker when she wrote her write-up of season one basically her thesis was that the cheaty eleanor relationship and i think she sort of called it out as being a romantic relationship or a romantic or a relationship with romantic undertones or overtones or midtones midtones (laughs) midtones is good just tones. Yeah, tones was the was the center of the whole show. Yeah. But I, I do wonder, did they decide to like sort of double down on that in season two? Or was that the, the plan the whole time or what? Because you can totally read this episode as like, yeah, they're just friends. I totally did. The first I mean, the first season whole season to me is they're just friends. The whole, that's the whole first season to me is they're just friends. And I think even in this episode, like I have mentioned before that I lived with one of my best guy friends for a long time. And this kind of thing, you know, kind of in some ways reminded me of of our domestic partnership, I should say, because we were never romantically involved. And every once in a while, we'd get into a tiff or whatever. But most of the time, it was about sort of living together and making sure the dishes got done and, you know, being respectful of one another. And then at the end of the day, like, you know, being buddies and being there for each other and understanding that we can spend all this time together, but sometimes you need time by yourself. Um, And so I think I read it, read their relationship as a friendship the entire first season. And actually now that you mention whether or not the writers went into it with a romantic note for for them or a romantic plot line for them in another Michael Schur show in uh, Parks and Recreation one of the main pairings of the show wasn't actually initially scripted uh, April and Andy who get married uh, very early on in the series they weren't 
actually meant to be a romantic pairing because for everybody who who has watched the show Andy is uh, very hung up on Rashida Jones's character, but they kind of in a creepy way. Well, they were together, and then he tries to like get her back, and nothing actually works. And he's not creepy; he's just he's just dopey. <laughs> he's like the Jason Mendoza of Parks and Rec at the beginning. Yeah, I've only watched a couple episodes. The couple episodes I watched, I was like, "Ugh, this guy's a creep." Well, and that's sort of the thing is that he started out as a he i think he started out more as like roy from the office and then became like mm. they rewrote his character to be like a genuinely good person who's just doofy but april and andy there was an episode where the rest of the the group goes i think camping and it was part of that was a way of like oh let's just see if april and andy like if they have any chemistry like maybe they can have a few scenes together here and there and then they started you know, there was an episode where they had like half the episode, just the two of them together. And the writers were like, oh, oh, there is definitely something here. So they wrote a relationship for them that very quickly became a marriage and this like weird, fun partnership. And that became one of the mainstays of the show. So it's entirely possible that given that experience, Michael Sherr was like, let's just see what the chemistry is with all these different people and see who we can pair together and you know maybe in season one they were like oh this could be a friendship but this could be a romance and let's see where it goes and in season two the romance is really convincing you do see at least that eleanor is sexually attracted to chidi here because when they're in the middle of fighting she says something like you think this is going to turn into something where we're fighting and then we're making out and like and then she like starts to put her hair up like in <laughs> in, in anticipation of like yes this is about to turn into a make out when Chidi's like no 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 we're being watched by Bart and Nina right and but she but that's also just it seems to me like at that point she's not very discriminating either cuz she's used to being on earth so i think she is probably attracted to him but well but you wouldn't she wouldn't have done that with ever done that with like michael you know what i mean like that's there, true but there is a she she's she would have done it with jason though i i think and maybe even with tahani i think yep <laughs> the l honey shippers are <laughs> writing that fanfic as we speak uh, so so i you know i have i rewatching this again you do start to have more questions about the metaphysics and Really yeah. didn't want to have questions about the metaphysics again, and yet here I am having questions about the metaphysics. Like, what's up with the sinkhole? <laughs> what is up with the sinkhole, man? What is up with the sinkhole? Like, so Janet, who is uncorrupted, remember, she has no idea that Michael is actually evil, that he's actually doing all these things behind her back. Janet is the one who categorizes it as an emergency 55, blah, 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 whatever. Doomsday crisis. Thank you. So he's managed to do something severe enough that uncorrupted Janet sees it as like the practically the end of the world. And like and somehow the sinkhole is getting bigger. I guess he's making it bigger. Well, that was my question was, you know, when he starts freaking out about the sinkhole in the first season when we don't know the conceit, when we don't know the twist, you think that he's actually freaking out about it because he doesn't know what's up. I wonder, though, if some of that actually was genuine because maybe he didn't realize the extent of the damage or didn't realize how big it was going to get or, 
you know, I'm assuming that he caused, <sighs> you know, he started the sinkhole, but we've seen him be like, it's okay, guys, I know what's going on, and then he really doesn't know what's going on. We've seen him, like, lose no, control f- of a situation before. I feel like, in retrospect, we're supposed to see him as having been in total control of this the whole time. That he was, you know, creating this thing that was supposed to be mirroring Chidi and Eleanor's rift, and then it was supposed to heal itself. You know, Eleanor is supposed to think that this thing is is reacting to her and you know that that she is the problem in the neighborhood right she yeah she ends up confessing right later a couple more episodes yeah she is supposed to have this notion that she is uniquely destructive to the world although why she it never occurs to her that it could be jason instead it's not clear to me like she's never maybe because he hasn't done anything like jason hasn't said anything to anybody about anything that's true that's true. At this point, I don't think he's barely even spoken. To anyone except Chidi and Eleanor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she put her fist through the cake. So she thinks that's what did it. Yes. And she did that on purpose. Yeah, but then why would... She did do that on purpose. But then why would she have the idea that the sinkhole closed up because she and Chidi are now speaking to each other again? You know, in a nice way? Like, it didn't start because she and Chidi were fighting. No, but it got bigger. It wasn't repairing itself. And I think maybe it's not necessarily that it's about... It's not necessarily about the cake. It's about Eleanor's behavior. Mm. You know? So my read of it was... It's not that she put her fist through the cake and there's a hole in the cake, so now there's a hole in the ground. It's she did something disruptive, so the neighborhood's physical space was disrupted and the fact that she's getting up in Chidi's face about stuff and fighting with him means that her attitude is bad which means that the neighborhood isn't repairing itself and in fact it's getting bigger as Chidi and Eleanor are fighting with each other it's not repairing itself so it only starts repairing itself I think when they start to get back on okay terms with each other and they stop fighting. Which, how does Michael I know I don't that? know. I don't know. <laughs> but then I started thinking about it. So remember in the balloon episode, Eleanor asks Michael how she and she started dating that one time that we know that they said that they loved each other to each other. Yeah. Somehow we know that, whatever. And I mean, somehow Michael knows which iteration that is. And and Michael ha- seems to have, like, total knowledge of this private thing that happened between them. So now I am totally confused. Because I... I cause it... <laughs> so he seems to have knowledge in this episode that they have made up. And he has knowledge in the balloon episode of how they got together in that one iteration. But in season two, episode one, he doesn't even know where they are when they like slip away from the monitors for by monitors i don't mean television monitors i mean like demons who are watching them right when they slip away from the monitors for five minutes all the humans are like instantly lost right to them he doesn't know where they are he doesn't know what's going on he doesn't know that eleanor has put that fine cheaty paper into janet's mouth so like again he's not omniscient no so how does he know that Chidi and Eleanor have made up. How does he know that Chidi and Eleanor had this, like, meet cute back in iteration, you know, whatever it was where they ended up 
confessing love. Like, I don't think that the writing team has even figured that out for themselves, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's hard when you are doing the... Because in the moment when you're watching it and you don't know the twist, it makes total sense. But when you go back and realize that all of these things were Michael's doing, it, it, it does kind of take away the magical element of it or the sort of you know when you once you realize that Eleanor is not the problem and that all this stuff has been prearranged it's hard to imagine that he would have I mean we've said this before about you know the plant and Tahani and a few other the the garbage you know the flying garbage situation I I was at least ready to concede with the flying garbage situation that someone could have seen her do that although the timing, I remember, was, like, really bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I I think at some point we might just have to, like, accept the fact that there are things in the the first several episodes that, you know, looking back on it were more of the ruse than they were anything, like, more in service of, like, keeping the the audience in the dark than anything else but i understand the frustration because you know you're kind of wondering how how do they justify this in the conceit of the world that they've created yeah and i don't know i mean it's possible that like you know eleanor did have to set up this whole thing with the canoe and the book and all that yeah so that's true so at least with this Maybe one, I was Janet like... Maybe Janet is somehow involved. That's what I was kind of thinking. Yeah, Either Because yeah. she would have had to say, Janet, I need a canoe and I need a book of French poetry. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure yeah. Janet was just like, okay, bing, bing, bing here you go. Bing, bling, bling, yeah. Um, so it's possible that Michael either has access to... No, because... No, because Janet, Janet says, says she's completely all of her confidential. searches are private, yeah. Yeah. What porn would you like to see? <laughs> so at least... But at least... You know, it's possible that someone, one of the demons was just, like, walking past and kind of saw and was like, you know, what's going on here? Like, oh, I'm setting this this up for cheating. In this situation, Bart and Nina are the ones who resolve, help resolve the situation between before, before we get to the canoe and stuff. Because the canoe and all that happens once the sinkhole has been repaired. Oh, good point. But... Bart and Nina are the ones who help them kind of repair their relationship and get back on speaking terms with one another. Or, you know, they were always on speaking terms, but non-fighting speaking terms. (laughs) Peaceful speaking terms. Yes, peaceful speaking terms. We know now that Bart and Nina were demons. Yeah, they were confederates. Yeah, basically were planted in the house to, you know, as you were saying before, like, increase Chidi's anxiety level to, like, maximum capacity. So it's possible that, you know, Bart and Nina were then, you know, reporting back to Michael and saying, like, oh, they actually made up. That's the most plausible explanation. We just didn't see it. Yes. And... Because it wouldn't have made sense. (laughs) Right, of course. Of course. That actually is way more satisfying to me as an explanation than any other explanation for any of the other supernatural things that were actually not supernatural that happened, you know in the last four episodes. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably the best because, you know, Michael's in in the more recent episodes, Michael's sort of saying this wasn't supposed to happen. They're they're making each other better. They're, you know, they're improving one another. I could imagine him like sticking Bart and Nina in there 
and saying, you know, with he gave them occupations that he knew would set off their anxiety and make them fight. But instead, what happened was it kind of brought them closer together because Bart and Nina actually like helped them instead of being awful to them or, you know, making them worse. So Yeah, isn't it interesting? They're demons. Yeah, I mean, maybe that sort of goes into our conversation that we had. Was it last week or two weeks ago? We were sort of talking about the demons who might not be all about, like, twisting people in half and might <laughs> want a different way of relating to people. Like, right, our whole Stanford prison experiment yeah, discussion. Yeah, 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 yeah. So maybe Bart and Nina are, like, really progressive demons <laughs> and are, like, in for this kind of are in for this kind of, like, psychological, quote-unquote, torture, and then realize that, oh, they actually like Chidi and Eleanor. <laughs> so maybe they actually want to help them out. Um, so maybe they, after that whole thing, were sort of surprised that Chidi and Eleanor, like, made up and then said to Michael, oh, this weird thing happened where they made up with each other, you know? Right. Yes. That, yeah, to me, that that's, a, <laughs> that's a, actually a pretty good explanation. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting that they, I mean, I guess, yeah, there was, there's no such thing really as psychological torture in the regular bad place. So it's kind of interesting to imagine. It's possible that these, these two guys, Bart and Nina, you know, were not torturers, that they were more like, I don't know, like accountants or something. You know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah, maybe. I don't know if every demon working in Michael's experiment is actually a full-time torturer normally, or if he recruited demons from other departments i'd like to see that casting call yeah (laughs) do you want to go live in a fake version of the good place for up to ten thousand years wasn't that was it ten thousand years something like that (laughs) do you want a limp (laughs) limp a limp makes every character better what about an accent yeah there you go so yeah, I mean, maybe they were not accustomed to torturing, and so they ended up being really nurturing instead. <laughs> Who knows? Oh my goodness! What was your favorite Froyo play- flavor? So I didn't see. I was watching on my TV, which is like a pretty good television, but we run it, we won it in a raffle, so it's not like the best television. So I don't have like enough resolution to make out any of the any of the flavors but you know what i'm gonna do is i'm going to uh gonna google that i was gonna say i'm sure uh one of them is full cell phone battery and one of them is uh folded freshly folded laundry there are some normal flavors in there too but those were my favorites god bless quora somebody actually transcribed that entire thing wow yeah whoo so definitely sleeping in on a rainy sunday Ooh. is gonna be that's me tomorrow pretty high up there yeah well Baby kittens. Aww. Baby kittens. Yeah, mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> millennial confidence. I'm a millennial. I I don't know if I have outsized confidence exactly. A mother's love. <laughs> that might be too overwhelming as a flavor. Well, I'm home for the weekend, and let me tell you, yes, it is. <laughs> uh, jeans that fit well, for sure. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, indescribable but delicious. Uh, finding out your true bra size, that would be good. Yeah. 
Uh, a good night's rest, something that I literally have not had in like two years. I was going to so. say, <laughs> you need like an entire quart of that flavor. <laughs> uh, your fifth birthday cake, absolutely. Because <laughs> mom always made us our birthday cakes. I'm sure my fifth birthday cake was strawberry marshmallow. Yes. Baby laughter. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> the cool side of your pillow. And wow, there's a lot. Um <laughs> This is this seems like another Megan and uh, four day weekend. Ooh, but it would have to be four day weekend where my children are magically not there, <laughs> 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 or they're only there a little. They're not there the whole. They're not there twenty four hours for the whole four day. <laughs> Here, I'll just uh, I'll just send you this link and you can. Uh... Ooh, I like that. Some of them are real flavors. Cilantro. Yeah, exactly. Some of them are real flavors. You have to skip those. Those aren't fun. I think the Eagles' favorite flavor would be Touchdown. Woo, Eagles! <laughs> oh, yeah, we do. We are contractually obligated to go E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles! Oh, my goodness. Are are you not wondering if someone made a deal with the devil? Do you know what I mean? Like, Cubs victory, Eagles victory. Is that the third season of The Good Place? That we just get... The deal with the devil that got the Eagles the Super Bowl win. And the Cubs, the World Series, in exchange for the current presidency, maybe? You know, like, somebody... Mm. Yeah. A hot air balloon ride. That's mm. really funny that that's one of them. The sound of the ocean. Guava. Isn't guava a real thing? Yes. <laughs> I'm just, you know, peppering some in. New York pizza slice. Woohoo! Again, I don't want that as a as an ice cream flavor. Satisfying TV finale. Oh yeah, I, that's a little self referential there, yeah. guys. <laughs> You've had two of them so far, so good job. Ooh, baklava! I love baklava. Finding a kidney donor. Yeah, that one seemed to me like <laughs> a little like, too a little like too real. A really weird game of like Cards Against Humanity. <laughs> <laughs> so, what else do you want to talk about? I could just keep naming weird flavors, but I figure, you know, we should do something better. Well, I guess, you know, I guess a major theme of this episode that we that we haven't seen to this point is sort of Tahani's childhood. Oh, yeah. And Tahani's parents and her sister, which I'm going to say is just sort of downright abusive. Like, she comes from an abusive household. It's emotionally abusive, not physically abusive, as far yeah, as we know. Yeah, it's certainly neglectful and really cold. And so... A lot of her, you know, vainglory and a lot of her name dropping and a lot of her snootiness, obviously, you you can trace back to this terrible parenting. <laughs> Got a terrible. lot of terrible parents in this universe. Yeah, does anyone... Well, we don't know anything about Jason's parents. Well, no. But <laughs> we can infer we can, some things. We can about infer Jason's from the parents. fact that he went to Leonard Skinner High School that maybe his parents weren't on the up and up all the time. Well, that's not. I mean, they, they may have been poor. That doesn't mean that they weren't honest. You know, like sure, maybe I mean, you know, that they they weren't. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if Jason's dad was the one who taught him how to whip. Uh, uh, spray paint cans at flamingos if you know what i mean yeah and we don't know anything about chidi's parents yeah i was gonna say the only parents we don't know anything about are chidi's no we don't know anything about jason's parents either i mean that's true but i like i said we can infer i don't know what we can infer about chidi's parents yeah nothing really i guess unless 
they were really poor decision makers. I don't know. They were like big wafflers, maybe. Maybe. That seems like maybe Cheaty just kind of got himself into that. I think, I think so. I think so. I think so. Yeah, I mean, Tahani's family. And, and you know, what was sort of sad to me as I was watching this again was that we know that this kind of sibling rivalry and the constant put-downs from everybody in her family essentially leads to her death. I think that's sort of the yeah, saddest part. Is that That's a good point. Is that, you know, Eleanor's parents are terrible, and you could argue to a degree that her bad attitude is kind of what leads to her death, but her death is a freak accident, like in a parking lot of a grocery store that, you know, she could have been stopping to tie her shoe and the same thing would have happened to her, right? Sure, absolutely. Whereas... Tahani, the only reason that Tahani dies is because she is trying to basically literally physically pull her sister down, right? Pull her, uh, like this giant statue of her sister down because she's so fed up with the way her sister treats her and the way that her parents treated her. And she just, it's like a symbolic gesture that turns tragic, essentially. So, I mean, the fact that she they abused her for her whole life physically or not physically, but mentally eventually is what led to her death, which is kind of, it's really uh, sad. I really want to see Tahani in the simulation or rewinded time. We're not sure which. Yeah. Having just completely divested herself of the family she was born into you know that she narrowly escapes being crushed to death by this statue and she's just like fork you and our our whole upbringing and she just like goes and like i don't know she like joins a convent or something you know like or she or she goes she's already been to university but like she she goes and does something completely different with her life and just gets out from under camilla's shadow completely yeah like she just she's not chasing the fame and the attention because all of, all of the stuff that she's done is basically to show her sister up so maybe that's her arc in a way is to actually start doing good things because she appreciates her life more because she narrowly escaped death right that's eleanor's arc in this last episode we saw right and surprise, so. you're actually dead, or we actually have to kill you again, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, we don't... It remains to be seen. We don't really know. Yeah, I would love to see more of her in the simulation slash altered reality. I think that would... I'm I'm really looking forward to that, and I wish the show was coming back, like, next week so that we could see... Oh, yeah, my husband was like, so you're gonna not... You're not gonna do the podcast for, like, a few months, right? And I was like, no, 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 we're... <laughs> We're keeping going. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna power through. And he's like, What? What are you gonna talk about? I was like, Oh, we've got a whole schedule, sir. And he's just like And oh, we said God. it in a British way because of Tahani. <laughs> because of Tahani, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean I think that's I think I'm very interested to see what happens with her because she's on the surface very altruistic, but it it this is the first time we really understand that it comes from this very dark place yeah and and we learn that she get has gotten no credit for actually raising those billions of dollars for charity 
that when her life points were totaled up, either she got none for raising this money because she did it for the wrong reasons, which is such like a bachelor nation (laughs) nonsense kind of thing to say, but whatever. What's that? She did it for the wrong reasons. Oh, yes. Bachelor (laughs) nation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Or if she got credit for it, it was minimal credit because she did it for the wrong reasons. So now that we know that, you know, Tani's, Tani's been put back into her life. And she's not gonna get. She's not gonna be deemed more virtuous just by dint of raising more money, as long as she has this bug in her ear of, you know, her parents constantly putting her down and comparing every piece of anything she does to an, an equivalent something that her sister does. You know, you we really need to see Tahani just completely branch off. You know, not trying to raise money anymore, not trying to pal around with Johnny Depp and Maggie Smith. <laughs> oh, your whole thing isn't exhausting at all. Yeah. She really needs to completely detach herself from this really poisonous upbringing that she was given by these just terrible parents. Like, what is their deal? What is their deal, man? And which one of those girls is supposed to be older? I always thought that. Oh, actually, maybe Tahani is older, but Camilla is more advanced. Maybe that's part of it. I don't know. I could never tell. I, you know, I looked in the flashbacks, but they always seem to be about the same age. Yeah. Or maybe they're twins. Oh, God, that's even worse. Yeah. I feel like that would have come up at some point. Maybe. Yeah. What is their deal? These these parents. And the fact that, like, I don't know, like, nothing ever. There's not one moment of... There's not one moment where you see why she hangs on trying to get there. She never gets a kind word from them, right? Like, even with Eleanor's parents, you do get a moment where her mom is like, you're a cool girl, Eleanor. We should hang out. And she's like, are you serious? But at yeah, least... her mother is like chaotic more, you know. Yeah. her, her... She's chaotic evil. I she guess. is. Her mom's chaotic evil for sure. But she just has this moment where she's like, you know, you're really cool. We should, we should like... I, I want to get to know you better, right? But there is at least a recognition that her mother sees that she's, like, maturing and, and at least gives her that weird... It's a weird compliment. <laughs> um, but at least it's something. Whereas you never once see any justification as to why she continues to hang on to them or try to get their... Tahani does, you mean. Tahani does. Because you never see her her get any approval from them so it's hard to wonder why like if I, I i think if i were the age that she is in the flashback with the the auction the charity auction if i'd spent my entire life never hearing a kind word from my parents like i i don't i think at that point i'd say all right well i'm not i'm just gonna stop trying you know? And that's what, you know, of course, that's what Tahani does in her test. Yeah, in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that you or I can appreciate the psyche of an abused child. You that's know what I mean? That's very true. Like, that's very true. Our mom and dad are a lot of things, but abusive is not among them. That's right. They're very, they're very loving, sometimes, you know, up in Smothering. our biz. Yeah. But, <laughs> but loving. You know, our upbringing had its faults, but uh, abuse was not among them. No, 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 no. So, you know, I don't... I mean, you see... I mean, look, 
Let's get topical for a second. Sorry. Uh, I know. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, we have multiple guys in the news who, uh, in the White House, and who are uh, spousal and girlfriend abusers. And that's another thing. You know, people always say, why didn't she leave? You know, why didn't she go? And, like, thank God, Rob Porter's wives did leave, and they seem to be doing better. This forking guy, I swear. I I, I think I opened up a sinkhole in Marissa. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Just a sinkhole of anger. So deep. So very deep. So not repairable. But like people say that all the time about abused spouses. Like, why didn't she leave? Or why did it take her so long to leave? Or, you know, this, that, the other thing. And it's always like, it's it's complicated being a victim of abuse yeah. and, and there is so much manipulation that goes on. And I think you have to say the same thing about Tahani here. Like, why does she keep trying to make her parents love her? She's a, she's a victim and, and, and her poor child brain sort of did what it could psychologically to make up for the complete lack of warmth out of and her then you terrible never really, parents. Yeah. And you never really mature past that. Until, and the only way that she did mature past that was to have people in her afterlife who actually appreciate her and are nice to her and kind and And generous. had no context of her as a famous person or a rich person or an important person. And also had no context of her uh, next to her sister. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the only time anyone in the afterlife mentions Camilla is when her fake short soulmate at the beginning of season two says that playing Camilla's music for his patients healed them That's all by right. itself. <laughs> and there was like a Camilla poster in, in their like oh, tiny house. Oh my god, yes. In their tiny oh my house. God. I was just thinking about that tiny house because I was like, is Michael actually able to create a sinkhole by himself without Janet? And then I was like, well, he did... In that tiny house, he did sort of just wave his hand and make the second story of the house go away. So he does have the power in and of himself to make massive structural changes to the universe that they live in. Mm. Um, Which then sort of raises the question of why a Janet is necessary to build the neighborhood in the first place? I don't know. That's a good question. Do they have a vaguely different power set or maybe what you know or is he supposed to focus on design and she's supposed to focus on construction but he can do construction if needed you know i always just thought in that circumstance that he was sort of flexing a muscle to make a point yes yes that it's not his but it's not his main function so Maybe Janet is faster at it or more skilled at it or, you know, or maybe he can do something like bring down a wall, but he can't do, you know, he can't do an entire neighborhood. Maybe that's too much for him. Like maybe he can design it, but he can't make it come alive. I mean, he did make that whole universe for Chidi to run people over in a trolley in. So maybe they have the exact same. Yeah, maybe they there's no real difference there. I don't. Yep. You're right. <laughs> I like some things this show refuses to be explicit about, and I'm such a left brain person that all of the details that haven't been filled in kind of niggle at me. Mm. But 
I have the distinct feeling I'm just going to have to suck it up <laughs> because this show is not <laughs> going to, this just, this show's not going to go on forever and they're never going to like go in and backfill. It's not going to be like Star Wars where they write all the extended universe books to sort of <laughs> explain in, in, in infinite detail, you know, every single minor point you might ever want explained. <laughs> have you ever heard of Darth Plagueis the Wise? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. Back on our Star Wars pod. <laughs> uh, you mentioned in the notes that um, Michael is practicing his Western Hemisphere brunch banter, and it includes that New Yorker article was crazy. <laughs> Which, Which is... <laughs> <laughs> that made me crack up. Oh, yeah, it's hilarious. And also, yeah, it sort of calls forward to him being trying to, Sean trying to lock him in a room full of New Yorkers. Yes, yes, yes. So what are we talking about next week? Uh, the next episode in the season one, right? Oh, it's what we owe to each other. Oh ho, oh ho! Which is something that we talked about a lot in uh, the last episode of this show, or you know, last week's episode of the show. We were talking about the finale and Michael's whole thing about the real question. Eleanor is what do we owe to each other? That's next week's episode. Man, this is starting a big arc. Like a big through line of the whole series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll be really interesting to see um, what happens there. It'll be really interesting to see, like, what little things we pick up on that have been, in you know, throughout the second season. Scanlan. I think that Scanlan should be paying Michael Shore for every time his book gets mentioned. <laughs> I wonder how many kids have signed up for philosophy lectures in college after this show came out. <laughs> I hope that everyone who is listening follows our Twitter account because I retweeted. I hope you saw this, Brianna. I retweeted. There's a bookstore that set up a display of books called like Chidi's Favorite Books. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. And it's all these like philosophy books that got mentioned on the show. And there's like a picture of Chidi there. Chidi's Choice. Chidi's Choice. That's right. (laughs) Which is so great. She go to that store and be like, "This is my husband." Was that in America? I thought it was in England. It's in it's in Oxford, Oxford, England. I yes. assume. Yeah, I'm you not know. gonna <laughs> get on a plane. <laughs> just like Eleanor, just hop yeah, on right. a random plane. Hop on a plane and go to a place and be like, "I need to see Chidi." <laughs> like, ma'am, it's just a picture of Chidi. <laughs> Give me my Chidi. <laughs> Until next time, don't frame anybody for boogie board theft especially when they're already an alligator thief i mean it could have been just as easy to call the cops on her for something she actually did see you next time ding dongs Give me 10 seconds again. Okay. (laughs)